0: Hello, and welcome to Focus on Fancy Romance, episode number 46, the podcast where we discuss books, the genre industry, and our geeky lives. I'm your host, Elle Klaus.
1: I'm ARD Clerk. Sorry, I'm
2: following myself.
0: Right. Electra And today we have a very special guest for you. We have Carol Vanetta. Hi. Did I pronounce that right? you did i should ask before we start recording so <laughs> <laughs> well lucky you right yeah well trauma fire why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself
2: so i write science fiction and fantasy i have a space opera series currently out that i'm in the middle of and things are about to get very exciting in the big den story arc because um i always write in series I, even if i imagine that i'm writing just a single book no it's a series because um, my muse just is working in the background going, here, isn't this wonderful? Uh, I write, uh, I, I've also written uh, Paranormal Romance and I am uh, will have a new Paranormal Romance series out next year. And um, I wrote, a, I co-wrote a retro science fiction comedy, farce really, uh, and um, I, I have cats. So uh, there it is
0: okay how did you get into writing then
2: so I've been writing all my life and I probably started getting more serious about it when I and my friends all wrote fan fiction for Star Trek and we had this whole interconnected universe and we'd pass each other stories and things like this and I read mine later and they were pretty uniformly awful I mean just really bad because you know every every trope Teenage trope that you can think of were in my stories, but um, I think it it kind of instilled in me the love of Expressing the writing in the way that I wanted to and then of course life happened because I like to eat regularly and sleep indoors So I got jobs and you know relationships and uh, no children, but none of that Uh, but relationships and jobs and things and then um, the whole publishing industry changed drastically when self-publishing became respectable. Before, it was just, for those people who are listening and don't know, it was it was considered vanity press, and it was something that you sneered at the same way that you sneered at people who, you know, exposed themselves on the street. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, but self-publishing became respectable and profitable. And suddenly the publishing companies, the traditional pu- publishing companies, were no longer the gatekeepers for what you what they think would sell or buy, or and they couldn't and if they took a year to get back to you with, with their no answer, you didn't just have to put up with that anymore. So that plus reading um like Lindsay Baroker and Nalini Singh to realize that how a how to structure a big plot plot arc, and then reading JD Conrath. And again, Lindsay Baroker in her um, independent author adventure series of stuff said, Hey, you know, this self-publishing stuff is for me. And especially because I really like being in control of my own destiny. And the thought now of Giving over my work to a publisher and going, "Oh, please don't hurt me," just really isn't me (laughs) anymore. So um, they'd have to come to me with a damn fine offer before I'd be before I'd be giving up my work to a traditional publisher anymore. And there's actually a very long way of saying uh, I I like to write.
0: Well, the love of writing is kind of mandatory for this insanity, but also a lot of uh, traditional publishers are seeking out the indie authors that are finding their own success and offering them deals that some of them can't refuse. So, yeah, oh, the, the if
2: if the Audible people came to me or the tour people with the audio audiobooks, I'd be like, where do I sign? <laughs>
0: You know, Tor was the first place I submitted my novel, and they rejected me because it it actually it wasn't a good fit. But um, it was a copy of a copy of a copy of a rejection letter. I'm like, could you maybe, if, like, fresh Xerox it or something? I don't know. Right.
2: you still have the mimeograph in the corner? I'm um, kind of like, yeah.
0: Can I at least get high off this? Because <laughs> the mimeograph. <laughs> yeah. <there>. Exactly. So, <laughs> The first book that I read of yours was the book one of Central Galactic Concordance, So Overload Flux. Loved yes. it. Loved it. So it's a, a science fiction romance. And you're actually here to speak a little bit about another book in this series that came later on. Yeah. Let me see. We've got, so we've got I a lot of have them.
2: Like six. Jumpers. Now. Why There's... don't you
0: tell us about that series?
2: Okay, so um, the Central Galactic Concordance series starts with Overload Flux, and there are four novels and two novellas. And the one that you're you're talking about is the one that I just finished um, and released in August called Last Ship Off Polaris G. And that was a novella, but it's actually a prequel to the series. Because, part, in part because um, I didn't think I could, I, I'm having trouble with my current work in progress, and I can talk about that in a minute if you really care, but otherwise... Um, uh, there's another, there's a character in there that I wanted to explore his history before I write him in about, long about book six, because I'm currently working on book five. So I have Overload Flux is book one, Minder Rising is book two, Picos Crush is book three, uh, Jumper's Hope is book four. Jumper's Hope probably is the, think of it as one, two, and three just kind of putting the key in the car, in in the lock, and putting the seatbelt on, and checking that, you know, you've got the map. And book four is we're starting the engine. And book five, the one that I'm writing right now, that's giving me a little bit of trouble, is um, the flame starts. The whole series is really rebellion. And um, anybody who's lived in exciting times or interesting times, knows that living in them is actually kind of dark and very stressful so i deliberately included romance in my series so that you don't want to go and like slit your wrists by the time you're done reading my my series of, of that that it that's about revolution and uh on the surface the Civilization seems to be very positive and future and we're expansion and stuff like this, but there's a whole underlevel where it's not so good, and that's the the source of the revolution. And so I'm I'm creating characters that I hope people like. They seem to, my readers seem to respond to them, um, and um, giving them romances so that each novel ends with hope. And that's that's my series. And I have probably, I'm going to guess that it's going to be nine or ten books by the time it's done. So I'm right in the middle. So the messy middle. Oh boy, no wonder I'm having trouble.
0: <laughs> well, that's ambitious. So you're also involved in a Pets in Space anthology?
2: Yes. So Pets in Space, um, there are two of them. There was one that was published last year, and that was just kind of like a... A fun little anthology and they decided to do it again this year and I begged and pleaded and and asked nicely and maybe sent some bribe money or something so that I could be in it too because I loved the idea I mean if we're going to the stars we're taking our pets I guarantee you we're taking our pets so the idea of pets in space was just this wonderful idea and so I took a little cul-de-sac in my universe and just wrote a little story about a little piece that's actually just been sitting in the background it's it's kind of like been texture and and just color for the other for for part of the whole universe and i was actually able to focus on just a little um a, a, on that little piece and then the other reason that i liked pets in space is that they have a they they support a charity the first um, the 10% of the first month's income, uh, of gross profits, is going to a charity called Hero Dogs, and what they do is uh, raise, train, and pair service dogs with disabled American veterans who uh, need a helping hand. And it, it gives, it improves their quality of life and it helps them regain the independence. Because it, we're really good these days, we humans um and we modern society at ha- at helping people survive catastrophic war inju- injuries that they never would have survived before but we're not so good about dealing with the aftermath and the people who uh, and and the the chronic pain and what do you do when you lose a limb and stuff because our society is built assuming that you're independent and that you can deal for yourself and if you can't anymore that's kind of an issue and we don't do so well with that and so uh, the hero dogs charity i loved and it kind of helped inspire some of the parts of my story too um every most of the stories and there's like 12 authors in this book and the the paperback book is like this doorstop of a big fat book uh uh, and we did do paperback because some of our readers want it and and that thing's heavy And uh, but the most of the authors have one or two pets, and I have seventeen. Hi, I'm Carol. I have a pet problem. So you have, <laughs> you have seventeen seven pets. pets? Yeah, the story in the story. Or, in story or, oh, okay, for pets, oh, okay. it's called pet trade. Okay, and they okay. each of the each of the main characters is is involved in in. One way or another, in rescuing pets, and that's why there are so many.
1: Very interesting. Well, it sounds like it's a very (laughs) worthwhile (laughs) organization organization to support. support. So we definitely commend you guys for that. that.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, we like it. I, 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 it's it touches my heart every time I think about it because there's just so many. Um so many things that we don't do so well for for the the veterans and um and yet we like to trot them out and say look i'm very pro veteran oh but go away
1: so tell us about when you were on your author journey and you were at the beginning of your yeah. author journey what were what was let's say the biggest hurdle that you encountered
2: as a new author um So when I first published my book, I probably should not have. I probably should have waited. But I was incredibly impatient. I needed the book out there. And I needed people to see it. And I wanted people to read it and review it and tell me what they thought. And of course, with one book, um, you generally have to give that away to a lot of people and find people to give it away. And then beg and plead and say, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please write a review. And then if they do, you go, oh. They don't like passive voice, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't use passive voice, but I did tend to do a lot of you know, non-active stuff, uh, non-active words. Uh, yeah, I might, you know, I probably will never go back and rewrite things because I just don't have enough time. There's too many stories in my head that need to be told to where I couldn't really go back and rewrite anything, I couldn't justify that. But I, do, I can look at it now a couple of years later and read it and say, yeah, I can see where I could have tightened that up. Hopefully I learned from that and move forward. But the I, I think the the first, my biggest hurdle was my impatience to just get it done and keep going and move on. And how come people aren't buying my book? <laughs>
3: so so my let's, f-
2: book. let's flip to the other side of the coin <laughs> and, <laughs> and
1: talk about Tell me Tell one me thing one that you could credit your level of current success, current
2: success to. I'm going to say that's interacting with other authors on Facebook. Because I learned so much from what other people have either failed at or done well or something like that. And, you know, not every technique and not every everything is going to work for you even though you Duplicate it exactly or you do it for right for you, but I have learned so many things from other people and um, I hope that I can give that back as I go on to because people's kind and patient advice about you really need a newsletter no no you really need a newsletter no don't no excuses you need a newsletter was Invaluable to me. Uh, I, I would not be five books into this series if uh, you know I had, I'd only sold 17 copies. So I think it, I think it was finding other people online, other authors, and then very generously giving of their time and advice and encouragement and all that.
1: So um, amongst our little group, I might be known as a whiny bitch. Pardon my language. <laughs> because I tend to get, um, frustrated and aggravated. And these, this group of ladies are the ones that always give me advice and always support me and encourage me. So they, you know, they're my tribe and they're my girls. Um, but I think we're sort of in the same spot right now with our current work in progress because you said you're also having trouble. (laughs) Yes. I, um, as a new author and we kind of touched on this with our last interview, um, I jumped, I jumped around a lot and I wrote, pretty much strictly standalone novels and I didn't stick to one genre. I wrote what I wanted to and pretty much did what I wanted to. But now, you know, I, I have to get serious about my business as an author, (laughs) which, um, chafes a little bit. It's like putting a corset on a little bit to the creativity. Um, so when I whine about it and complain about it, then they slap me around and put me back on track. (laughs) So, I find that that's my current problem, is I I have a plan, and I need to finish this book in order to, like, take that next step. Do you ever have trouble where you find that you're hesitant to complete a project, or you're hesitant to move forward with something, because, I don't know for me if it's the fear of the unknown, like, oh my god, I have this, I've made this decision, and now I have to do it, or... I don't know I'm just not I'm not in that place have you ever been there before where you just really don't feel like you're in that spot where you need to be to finish something
2: once I get going I don't have trouble finishing where I have trouble is either starting it because I've uh, I'm outline dependent okay so on the let's let's talk on the the pantser versus plotter continuum um, the panthers are the people, uh, the extreme pancers are like Susan Smith and Eve Longley, who have some vague idea in their little head, and maybe a character or two, and they sit down and they write, and magic happens, and they I don't know what write. that's all about. I, I don't know anyone like that. I cannot do that. I just look at them and say, oh my god, that's magic.
0: She's being sarcastic. On the other
2: end, on the other end of the continuum is people like Rachel Aaron, who has Every beat outlined and she's memorized the characters and she's got pictures of them and she's got a whole notebook and all that stuff and I'm not there either. So I'm closer to the outliner than the pantser, but I leave myself room for inspiration and stuff where I find my trouble is always. If I'm having trouble is my outline is flawed and I need to go back and fix it and I'm reluctant to go back and fix it because... I know that if I do, I'm going to have to lose these three chapters that I just wrote, god damn it. And I must, because that's what the story needs. So that's where I get myself into trouble. I'm also horrible at writing short. I'm given, a, like Pets in Space is an example, the 25,000 word limit. My book came in, my, my draft, my sure f- Great draft came in at eight thousand words over that, and I had lots of sh- just agonizing cutting. This word, is, this is, okay, look, well, maybe they could oh, oh. It was very annoying, and I'm I'm going to write something short, and it's not. Yeah. So I have to get better at short, because yes. short's hard. Short is hard. I have a hard yeah. time with short. It's either it
1: too is. short, and the people are like, "What the heck is this?" or then you know, I, I can't oh. cut enough words. So I think I think we might have all been in that yeah. boat a few times. Yeah, yes. I'm sort of on the like, dream panther side. I don't I just sit down at my computer, have a big idea, start with characters, go from there, always write. Whereas I know Elle likes bullet journals and and mm-hmm. plotting and, and Paulina's trying outlining and and I have cost myself some words a couple of times um, in the past, it's always easier for me because I was writing standalones. I think when you come to a series, and you have an overreaching story arc, you need to be very clear about where each book hits that yes. arc. And so, yeah. like for my cyborg series, which is currently on hold thanks to the publisher, but um, oh, I had yeah. an overreaching story arc, so mm-hmm. I had to actually sit down and write it out and. Um, I did. I'm the same as you, though. I kind of left myself some room, but I knew right. I had to hit this point. I had to hit this point. I had mm-hmm. to hit this point. Um, so that's about as basic outlining as I go. But um, I, I think that I can see where that, where it would be difficult if you know that the problems in your outline, but you know it's going to cost you some words. Yes. That hurts like cutting off a body part. You're like, it's, oh, um, there goes my arm. Oh, that's that 10,000 yes, words that you had to toss in the garbage. <laughs> oh, it's
2: just a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> I have a a whole file that's called the cutting room floor. Um, I used to be in film and uh, I was an actor and stuff like that. And um, some of my scenes always ended up on the cutting room floor. So I have a file called Cutting Room Floor. Because then I can take those three precious chapters that I just wrote (laughs) and I can put them over there. So I don't feel like I'm losing them all together. They have a little home by themselves. And sometimes I can actually use little pieces from them. So I feel better about keeping the Cutting Room Floor. But every book has a Cutting Room Floor file with just those things.
1: Mm -hmm. It's It's unfortunate.
3: Yep. Okay, I think Pauline is up next. Okay, it's my turn. So while she was talking, I while everybody was talking, I just kept writing down questions. But, um, <laughs> so, going since we just talked about it, um, you know, about how you want to leave room for inspiration, I was just yeah. wondering, has a character ever, example, because it's hard to explain. Like, okay, when I was first writing, one of my characters was supposed to mate with someone and he wouldn't listen i couldn't write the book come to find out he looks at me and goes i'm gay so oh, I was like, oh yes. that's why has the character ever done that where you're trying to push and you, the book's not going anywhere not yet i could pers-
2: foresee it happening though um it's never done it with my main characters but i will say that um some of my supporting characters have done surprising things um, f- for me. I was like, really? Oh, OK. <laughs> You're like, maybe, OK, we'll just go that way. Yeah, yeah. And, and oftentimes, I find that some little hook, my subconscious, I guess, or something, put early on in a book Later on, like in the exciting big space battle finish or something like this, it becomes really important, this tiny little hook that I put, that I didn't even, wasn't even conscious of doing. I was just thinking, well, you know, yeah, they should do this in the coffee shop because you know, that's important or, and uh, you know, what the heck, I'll just put it in the coffee shop and later it's the fact that the coffee shop was owned by the dead or whatever turns out to be the significant thing that saves them or, you know, or how they discover who the bad guy was or something yeah, like that. I had no idea I was doing that. It was just there. And, and so some of my supporting characters have done, have, have turned out to be in um, pet trade. Oh, yeah. I had a clear notion of how, of which of the, yes, unconscious um, foreshadowing. Elves writing this, and yes, uh, my, my subconscious apparently speaks a lot behind the scenes. I was, um, I had a pretty clear idea in Pet Trade, um, the animal that was going to save one of my characters, and that's not who saved her at all. Okay. And I, I got there, and I was like, oh, well, of course, this makes much more
3: sense how come i didn't think of this? <laughs> yeah, like some plots just sneak up on you. Yes. Yes. Which is which is good. That's why I couldn't I couldn't outline. I did like they said I started outlining and I'm just like I can't do it. I'm sorry.
2: You know, Eve Longley said that she's, you know, she's written uh, you know probably 40 50 books by now. And she said three times she tried outlining and she couldn't do it and it was a complete failure and she just had to walk away and and say yeah
3: i think because i've always journaled like growing up mm-hmm. my mom bought me a journal to write in to stop bossing my siblings around um maybe that's why i've always just written straight you know i tried outlining uh-huh. and i'm like this is stupid this wastes way more time i could have been halfway done with this book already <laughs> I'm like, i don't want to do this yeah so, I was just wondering, um, you did mention again, um, about service animals for the veterans. So I was thinking that's amazing idea. My brother actually has one. Uh huh. Uh, She's not here right now. She's old, 15 years old now, (laughs) but, um, I don't think people realize, like you were saying that they need, you know, that they need help after, um, he's not a veteran. Um, he has schizophrenic, he's schizophrenic, right. but she does the same thing basically that they do. She was, cause she's trained, you know, to lead him home, to get him away from situations, to right. make yeah. sure, you know, if he gets overstressed to like all that kind of little things. And most people only realize that they think dogs are only meant for like the blind. See and eye do oh, yeah,
2: no, there's dogs, there's dogs. I've known of dogs that um, can tell when someone is about to have an epileptic seizure before the person who has it knows it and can alert the owner. To sit uh, down there's, or... Yeah.
3: There's rats. Uh, there's rats that sit on, there's a lady who comes to my job. She has a rat that sits right here. Uh-huh. And you know, I, everybody else like, Oh, I'm like, no, i was like, that's good. Cause you start, you start basically vibrating deep down and the rat can feel it. And they asked her and she's like, yeah, it's because she has seizures. And I was like, they were like, are you kidding? I'm like, no. There's so I, many animals out there. Yes, yeah.
2: Now, like, my, cats love are that all, idea. my cats are all lo- lazy and spoiled creatures and would <laughs> only help if it was in their self-interest. Like, I haven't heard of a cat this, service this, animal does this, yet. Does this mean you're not going to feed me? Yeah. Well, I, um, so I've never heard of a service cat, but I will say that I have heard of people whose cats have saved their lives in terms of giving them something to get up for giving them something to be get out of their head for
3: um emotional support animals yes. yeah
2: and my um my father when he was um going Alzheimer's and his brain was turning to swiss cheese the one thing that he would respond to is pets and so we found a uh, a Uh, assisted living place that would let him keep his cats because otherwise um we we could tell that he was just sinking further and further away from cognition Mm -hmm. and whenever you put the cat on his lap or or talk to him about cats he just came alive and so you know the cat didn't know it. cats not being a service animal the cats being a cat but it it probably gave him six, maybe nine months more of engagement in the real world before his brain just went, you know, gone and whatever.
1: There are some times that I wonder if I'd trade my dog for one of my kids, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: I mean, I probably
1: wouldn't because they I don't know. But if it came down to it and the kidnapper was like, I'll give you back your dog if you give me that kid, I'd have to think about it really hard.
2: <laughs> well, the only... the. You, you have to admit that the kids will hopefully care for you in your old age and your dogs probably. No. My oldest one was like, we'll get a nurse for you,
1: mom. And my youngest one was like, why? <laughs> you can just go to a nursing home. So. Yeah. I see yeah, my winter is not very bright. Yeah. At least my dog would love me.
3: Yes. But, um, sorry. Yes. I live, well, I live in a military town now. I live in San Diego. I grew up in 29 Palms. I'm always around military. And that's why right. I think that's really cool, just going back to the servicing animals, is the fact that mo- every place out here at 29 Pops caters to them. Like, they, nice. have a wa- they have, like, the water bowls, they have, like, treats. They have, I'm like, I came out here because I was like, oh, I'm going to San Diego, and I figured it wouldn't be the same. And I was surprised how they embrace them, like, even the restaurants. You which know, I, I, was,
2: I was just recently in Santa Barbara, and I, see a lot, I saw a fair amount of that in Santa Barbara, and they have no particular military presence. I suspect that it might be something to do with the West Coast and the fact that you've got a more temperate climate. Maybe. Um, that helps, too. Um, Fort Collins, where I live, which is about 70 miles north of Denver, um, I think they mean well, but... Fort Collins is a very earnest town, but we're also a really very white bread town, and we're not a very military town. We have an ag school, so um, they don't quite know what to do with service animals here. (laughs) Not not yet. (laughs) Yeah. We have many bike trails, though, and lots and lots of beer places, so that's good.
3: (laughs) it it's a it's an interesting adjustment to make I think from the fact like I said, going from realizing that animals are not only c n i dogs or right. peop you know if they're missing a like when my brother had his the one thing we had to fight for they were like, but it's a dog, and we we're like, yes, and you know she was well like, he's not blind right no they, they he's not missing i'm like, I don't have to tell you what's wrong with him he just need you know here's a letter saying he gets a <laughs> Service dog yeah so, um. <laughs> A little bit more i think people are coming around to being accepting that you don't have to look like you're sick that to have something wrong
2: yes and i i think in your brother's case that's particularly true because um my mother's generation uh thinks of all mental illnesses as as just something that you absolutely do not talk about and you don't admit and you lock granny in the in the attic
3: and that's why you have serial killers right in the 80s is because they were all undiagnosed and running around and and let's don't talk about it
2: (laughs) and you know we we have this this heroin epidemic right now people are self-medicating because we are so piss poor at uh mental treatments uh and uh, it's we'll get started on that (laughs) yes yes i and you know it better than any of us because you grew up with it
3: and you're seeing it and, no, we didn't grow up um, with it. He didn't get diagnosed when he was 19. But I'm his caregiver, though. Yeah. Ugh. Well, and the people who are autistic, too, and, and all My those sister? <laughs> yeah. We got it all. My sister has Oscar, uh, Asperger's. Asperger's. She's high-functioning, but uh-huh. she still has, she'll if she gets overwhelmed, she still lays on the floor, curls up. She's 20. She's 30, and she'll get into a little ball and just rock. And there rock. was
2: a story and on rock. NPR just this morning about a man who is in his 30s and he just had a meltdown episode and he hadn't had one that bad since he was 11 and they went on story Cord this morning on NPR just to talk about that. Yeah. And and say, you know,
3: this is real and it happens. Yeah, we just locked just closed herself in her house and you know, she'll, she'll rock for a few hours and then we'll go give her some wine. <laughs> it makes her happy. Here's some wine. Yes. <laughs> so just getting back to your story real fast, um, so that electric can ask questions. Sorry. Um, I was reading about your, what is it called? Extras for Readers. Oh, yeah. I was, I was um, blown away with that page that is a lot of world building how do you do that that's
2: probably my favorite part besides the characters so my process if you will um starts with characters they start with people and then i those people need a world and so every time i think of some little note um, i I use a program called Evernote which is it's just this online thing that you can sync across devices and you can get to it from the web and stuff like that and um, other people use like uh, Microsoft OneNote and there's other competing things I just have loved Evernote from the beginning and so that's what I use so wherever I am if I if I'm in the the car repair shop and I'm sitting there waiting going. <laughs> And I come up with some idea, like some just little tidbit, like, ooh, well, wouldn't that be interesting? I can go and write it down, and I do. Oh. So I have that whole, I have, I have, you know, probably 20 different notes about the military, and a bit about the government, and um, my significant other is, I call him the resident mad scientist, so I run the physics stuff by him, and my... Criteria is kind of like, does he go, eh, well, I suppose you could do that. Or does he go, you want to do what? <laughs> You're like, which one because do Because I, I tell him, I tell him that my series is space opera. It is not a science textbook. So there will be things that I'm just going to assume and I am never, ever, ever, ever going to explain. And I'm not going to explain it to you either because you'll just laugh. <laughs> so That's how uh, space travel works in the fantasy exactly, world. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, when I get in my car to go to work, I turn it on and I put it in gear and I drive. I do not stop to think about the internal con- combustion engine and how the spark plug does this and you have to gap it just right and <laughs> all that stuff. No! I'm thinking about... Oh jeez, do I have to do that report today or can I put it off till next week? Next week. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't write hard science fiction. Nobody would mistake my books for hard science fiction because I have too much fun with the characters and you know the adventures and the big exciting space battles
3: and things to be worried about how the damn engine works. So. <laughs> I, I, I get turned off with those books. I know some people love those, but once I read a book and it's like, get into the details, like, and now I'm going to go into something else. <laughs> yes. There's any the other books that, love I, that
2: I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And the other books that I have uh, trouble with are the, the military SF where there you go into great detail about the, the battles and the tactics and the, the ships and things like this. And you could replace the characters with, a jar of carmex and a nail file and they they would still do okay that's not tom demo. clancy
3: tom clancy is very technical and i yeah. read for the red october in sixth grade and my sixth mm-hmm. grade teacher took it away from me and told me to get something my age i was so mad so i told my mom and then she had to give it back
2: <laughs> i hate i hate it when teachers tell people tell, uh, I hate genre shaming of any sort. It pisses me off. But all those of us who write romance, we've all had it. Mm. And those of us who read romance, we've all been, you know, had people sneer at us for whatever reason. Um, and my male readers in particular are, um, have, I had somebody write to me once and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for not putting a naked man chest on the covers of your books. Cause that means I can read them in the station house and my buddies don't rib me for it. And I'm like,
3: nobody should just, just don't set sound- I'm just kidding, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna stop that one. Someone <laughs> no keeps telling me to put it on my covers. And I'm like, no. Well, I remember
1: being, I don't know, sixth or seventh grade, and I had this huge obsession with Clive Cussler, and I kind of still do, but like all of his Dirk Pitt novels. And I'm like, well, that's an adventure novel. Don't you wanna read a romance novel? Look, if I wanted a romance novel, I know exactly where the where the shelf exactly. is for romance novels. I want to read this right now. So,
0: exactly.
1: you know, nobody can nobody can tell yeah, you what you should I, or I, shouldn't read, and if they try to, then that's when you double fist it.
2: Oh uh, yeah, or, or uh, tell them, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I usually do. Mm-hmm. Oh, my nose itches something fierce.
0: <laughs> yeah, but for those of you that can't see the video, she's um, giving a salute with a certain
3: middle I finger. Don't I don't finger even try finger. to hide it. I just go like yeah. this. i don't even try to hide it. Even at work. Yeah. At work. Probably get, get yeah. in trouble one day. <laughs> yeah, me too.
2: But you know, I'm old enough to where I can tell them, oh, bite me. And then that's it. All
4: right, so you did have a question. Um, You said that your... Um, over overflux series, my overload flux. Uh huh. That's the of, yes. Um, is about more of darker times. Do you use current events from
2: today to to
4: as an influence?
2: Yes, I do. But I I so I I have two answers to that question. Yes, I do. But I kind of twist them and it, use them to show that for all that we have advanced and, and stuff like this there are still fundamental things that are always going to happen. And I do that because um, you know how each generation says, well, you know, kids today are this and the world is falling apart because the kids don't have enough discipline or or they don't listen to their elders and things like this. There is writing that we have from um, early Roman times that says that is a complaint exactly like that, and it's by some Roman senator from like pre-B.C. times going, kids today, you know, what's the matter with them? There were civilizations dying. So what that tells me is that there will be certain threads that we will always have because it's human nature. We can't help it. So I take those and put those in my books, but I twist them for you know, the future, the fact that this is, you know, 1500 years or 2000 years into the future. I also, my friends will say, am I in your book? Am I in your book? And I say, why? Yes, you are. But I'm not going to tell you where. (laughs) And then they have to go. And then and and I've had some of them actually diligently read my series and say, well, which one was I? Was I? Oh, was I that, that waiter in that? I'm like, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because what, what, I do, what I do is I take pieces of people's characters and things that I see mm-hmm. and that annoying lady in the coffee shop with that voice that just makes you want to you know your ears bleed and something like this. And the poor woman can't help it, that's just her voice. But then she has this, you know, these sententious opinions about everything. She's the church lady in worse. And I take people like that and use those pieces of them that I see and put them in, in my stories. So, yeah, I do. modern, ty- you know, modern events do show up in my books, but they're, they're molded. Molded. I like that. I like that. And
4: then I would say, what is the um, one your pet peeve as a writer?
2: Um, Regarding myself, regarding others, regarding what?
4: Um, Either the business or writing or um, maybe a a certain like a trope or a genre.
2: Oh, okay. So. In the business, I would say my pet peeve as a writer is other writers who do not think it's a business. Those writers who are who treat it as some sort of and readers can do this too, because they'll write to you and say, you know, I really love your books, but why aren't they free? And you say, well, because I kind of like to eat regularly and sleep indoors and buy cat food. And they say, oh, but they should be free. I'm like, mm, okay, well, so if you can get your landlord to accept free, uh, or if you can get my mortgage payment to accept your kind thoughts for my books i'll be happy to give you one free but meanwhile pay the 399 okay. and authors who who treat this as i don't know what they're they're not in business they're in art or they're in preciousness or they're or 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 the latest example of authors behaving badly they do something just really really stupid like you know uh, start a flame war on goodreads or something for no reason you know they took umbrage at somebody's review and she's like you have no control over reviews lady it's a business (laughs) move on so those are my pet peeves in 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 the business and and maybe with snotty readers (laughs) um my pet peeve in genre is uh lack of warning about things that I find objectionable. Now, of course, that's totally subjective, but um, if you don't tell me that you've got dubious consent, if you don't tell me that you're suddenly going on a BDSM trick, um, if you don't give me fair warning that this is dark and maybe there's rape involved or something like this, uh, I, I will angrily stab my e-reader with delete because I really don't want to throw the e-reader across the room, but I would have. Um, because those things just annoy me. I read uh, uh, a book by an author who I'm not going to name because it's it's not fair to her because she I'm sure she does, does well and things like this. But in the first chapter, um, this guy assaults this woman. He introduces her to pain during sex, and by the way, she's a virgin, and um, tells her, uh, "I'm taking you as my uh, as my servant because you're wasted here, and we're supposed to like this guy. He's supposed to be the hero." And I'm like, "Buddy, I got you in the nearest alley." <laughs> so. That's what, that's what pisses me off about, I can deal with most tropes. Um, I get tired of billionaire and secret babies and things, but, um,
3: you know, think, people like those. But I think for some odd reason, real fast, sorry. For, yeah. It seems to me like that, that trope is becoming a little bit more accepted, which I think is wrong. The fact which that a man's is? a hero, but yet he's either... Physically or mentally abusing the girl? Yeah, looks lately and I'm just like No <laughs> But it, they're becoming popular and I find it odd with the popularity of women's rights coming back so no well, You know, i it's gonna work.
2: <laughs> I will point out though that remember in the 70s When we were really having the first of the the women's rights movements the very best-selling books, almost always had, or there was a lot of rapey, rapey men in those books, and they had rapey, ah, look, nice service dog, Um, they had rapey men, and sometimes the men who raped the woman in the beginning of the book ended up being the hero in the end who married her, so I think you're always going to have some of that. I don't know why, uh, I, you know, it caused me want to, like I say, you know, got them in the alley and <laughs> and, and leave their bloody corpse, but uh, I'm, that's not always me reading, so I think people should be able to read what they want, I just don't want to have to read it myself or be surprised by it.
0: Yeah, I think that rapey vibe kind of um, lasted until about the 80s. Mm-hmm. 'Cause I remember some of the older paperbacks like at the library that they were kinda like that. And people were like, Oh, well it's it's they historical romance, so that's that's okay. That's okay. And I'm
2: like, it's oh, okay, but really
0: you the
3: past. Yeah. No. I read one book when I was eight not eighteen, I was fifteen. I snuck it. But it was called Roses and I read halfway through that book and knew it was wrong. And like the guy uh-huh. would he it was like historical and he was like he would he was like, Well, you should be happy I'm using oils. Or he would get mad at her and just tie her up and throw her in the rushes. And I'm like, that's not, I'm not going to finish that book. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. That was, I I sometimes still think about that book. And I'm just like, wow, I was 15. I could have messed up my head. (laughs) Yeah. Good that you were smart enough to recognize, no, this isn't
2: for me. Thank you. I
4: actually, I actually just had that happen. I I had a, one of my favorite authors. She's um, what I call a, a clicker where it, you never read the blurb, you just click, because it's... Oh, right, yes, yeah, auto Yep, I'm a clicker, yes. I'm just, oh, click, click. And um, she had a, a disclaimer of a um, single, like it was said, a, a rape scene. But when, I was like, okay, well, maybe I could get past that. You know, like one scene, maybe it's, you know, a situation where um, the he- the heroine... Um, maybe it's part of, you know, her backstory or something. Right. So I continue to read it and it was five scenes, five scenes. And now I feel like my trust with this author has been completely broken because I've never read anything like it before. And I feel completely, and it's so funny because as a reader, you're like, Oh my gosh, I love her. I know everything about her. She's great. And now I feel like, this trust has been broken and I can't trust her anymore. And it's so funny to feel that way about an author. But when you read every single one of their books and you're clicking and, you know, you're part of their newsletter and everything else like that. Now I totally feel that that trust <laughs> right. has been broken. And yep. so I would agree with you. That's probably my, one of my biggest pet peeves of, you know, in this genre is you, is the warnings because, you know, everybody's afraid if I give this warning out, you're not going to buy my book and I want money because it's a business. And, and I would right. say mm-hmm. I, was, I was hurt. I was so hurt by that. And that was just so funny
2: um, that you had said that because I had just encountered that last month. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think those warnings hurt because it's the same. Uh, young authors always think my book appeals to everyone. No, it doesn't. You don't like everything you read. Right. Why do you think everybody in the world is going to like your book? So mm-hmm. tell, find your readers who mm-hmm. do like your books. Right. And if that requires, some people look for those warnings because they want the hot sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if it says, you know, over eighteen stuff like this, and they're they're like, oh yes, thank you. This is what I want. I don't want those namby pamby little, you know, little Christian romance. Um, inspirational things because that's not what I read. I read the hot sex and I want it. So if you don't have that disclaimer, I don't trust that you have what I'm looking for. So I think they're good. Namby Pamby. Yes. <laughs> it's a word. It's a phrase. No, I just,
0: I'm glad that I'm not the only one that uses it. That's, that's really what i <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah. So no, that was actually the only, really, the question that the two questions that I had.
2: So I have questions for you, ladies. What are you working on right now?
0: I muted myself when I was talking. Sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, go ahead, Carol. I'm gonna say I have questions for you, ladies. What are you? What are you each working on right now? What's, what's on your computer that you're supposed to be doing and, and, and it's, you're talking to me instead?
0: Hmm. Um, I'm working on book two of my Wilderland series. I'm actually, well, technically, I'm waiting for my beta readers to get back to me, but that's my active project is Deceiving the Bandit Lord.
1: Uh, what is, Amy, what are you actively avoiding? Yeah. Can you get a shot? I'm actively avoiding the final book in my Mythical Madness fantasy romance series. It's awful, and I hate it, and I would like to burn it at the stake, but I can't because I promised people I'd finish it. (laughs) So, um, actually, so I made this decision and I told my readers already that I was going to narrow down my focus to one genre. So I have this huge obsession with the punk genres, which steampunk, diesel punk, deco-punk. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to go with that. As much as I love science fiction romance, as much as I love fantasy romance, um, whatever else you want to call those other books that I wrote that don't really fit anywhere, somewhere in between that. Um, But I have to finish this series first, I I promised. So, again, I'm not sure whether it's fear of failure, fear of success, if the punk does well, because I've made this huge decision in my writing career to take it more as a business and, you know, say I might want to veer off my track and write science fiction romance, but no, I can't do that. I've, I've made a decision. I need to do it, at least not right now. I mean, later on, I'll, once I've, you know, gotten mm-hmm. myself together, I can do whatever I want. But, you know, you have to make decisions that are hard at first. And um, so, yeah, that's why I'm actively avoiding
3: it. So, yeah. Okay, Paulina, what are you working on? I'm sorry. I like how I yelled at you. Um, I am actively working on something that I have to have to editors on Monday. Oh. And yeah. It's my genie. It's a genie story, a genie and a polar bear. Um, I had to actually have one of my author friends, Renee. She called me, video chatted me, and got me over a hump, so I'm pretty sure I can just knock this out now. So it's my first kind of step into the shifter world, um, into the all-shifter world, to see if maybe that's a – it's not a direction I really want to go in, but this is a fun little story. It's a genie. How can it not be fun? So that's what I'm working on. Exactly.
4: I'm currently uh, book hopping. Um, So I started (laughs) up in one series, and then I got frustrated myself because I wasn't writing it perfectly because um, I'm I'm a perfectionist and I don't like to mm-hmm. give my editor anything that's not like almost perfect. Yes. So, <laughs> so then I hopped over to another book and um, started writing that so I didn't have to finish the other one which was supposed to be done by the end of this year which is not going to be. <laughs> I
2: yeah. <laughs> Yes, I had, I had work, heavy work commitments, and I realized that I was completely, um, in deep, serious trouble with trying to finish this novel in this really time period, and so I stopped it, and I went and wrote the novella, because I figured I could handle that during this really busy work period, and I'm glad that I did that, because I think I would have, um, uh, exploded.
4: (laughs) Yep, yep, I know how that... Yeah, I got to get over those insecurities, though, you know, about, you know, just the fact of being perfect, because that's really what you pay an editor for. But like mm-hmm. you said, it's a business, too. So you don't want to yes. get to the point, um, you know, where you're spending gobs of money either, because like you said, it's a business. But, right. but in the same sense, I have to at some point, I've got to let somebody else look at it and take care of the mess that I
0: yep. I have. <laughs> And you can't edit a blank page, so just get oh, yeah. it written. Did you have any other questions for us, Carol? I don't, but okay, it's been fabulous. Why don't you tell us where we can find you?
2: So you can find me on the web at vannata.com. That's my website. Um, I'm not terribly there very often. I am, however, on Facebook, usually uh, pretty much every day. So I'm Carol Van Natta author. That's C-A-R-O-L-V-A-N-N-A-T-T-A-A-U-T-H-O-R. But I'm sure L will probably like put this in the notes or something like that, so you don't have to remember that. Um, and my books are on Amazon, iTunes, Kobo, Nook, and Google Play. And that's...
0: Pretty much it. Okay. Well, Amy, I wasn't going to ask, but Amy reminded me that we normally do a giveaway, and you can say no because I totally forgot to prep you for this. But we do. normally do a giveaway. If you want to do an ebook giveaway, one of your books, like people sure. can comment on our blog and ask you, you a question.
2: You bet. Okay. Which 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 book would you like? Well, I'll give them do over. Let's do okay. Overload Flux because that's book one.
3: But they can also
2: last ship. I give them a choice if they if whichever one they want. Um, Okay. They can have any of my books for free. Any one of any any one of my books for free. So if they already read Overload Flux, maybe they want to read Mind Arising or you know whatever. So just any one of my books for free would, and I'll I'll be happy to share.
0: Okay. So in order to qualify for that giveaway, you do need to make a comment on our blog, which is FocusOnFantasyRomance.wordpress.com. Uh, We we give them 30 days, so October 22nd from today's date. Um, And I think that's it. I have... Hang on a second. Okay. So thank you for joining us. If you like the podcast, please like, comment, and share. If you use iTunes, please leave us a review. This has been episode number 46. Good night.